Hey, I'm Jerry Springer, and like many of you, I'm getting really old. Stepping onto a rug is now a chore. Walking up steps? Well, that's out of the question. So we invented TurboChair, the poor man's elevator that rides up your stairs on a rail attached to your banisters. But not like other chairs you see on television, they're way too slow. We grew up on fast food, fast cars, and remote control. We want things fast. So our TurboChair is powered by a motorcycle V-twin engine. TurboChair, it'll get you the bathroom before you go in your pants. You can't buy TurboChair in a store. You can't even buy it online. To get your own TurboChair, meet us in the parking lot next to the Folk School Coffee Parlor this Thursday night at 11 o'clock. I got my TurboChair, and now Mickey and I don't have to sleep in the living room. The TurboChair's patent was designed for reasons the government said are obvious. TurboChair is illegal to purchase in 49 states, not named Kentucky. To write TurboChair, federal law requires you wear UL-approved NASCAR crash helmet. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me, I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, with his cell phone turned off, Jerry Springer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Whoa. Well, it, 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 yeah, we, uh, oh, we didn't record last week. No, we I mean, people here. listening to the podcast won't know that because well, they we did too. Do you know, now because you just told I them. I just told yeah. them. Yeah. But maybe <laughs> some of the people don't remember, though. That's also yeah. true. <laughs> I don't even remember. Were by, we here last where week? Where we were here, yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, we're yes. going to have on Short and Company, which is an amazing, let's hear it for them. Yeah. They're an amazing blues band. All Kentucky, three Kentucky guys from different parts nice. of Kentucky. And uh, we're going to hear, ask Jerry to talk about whether there's really any lasting effect of this whole Donald Trump legal nightmare. So we'll get into that in a minute. I wanted to ask something uh, of my friends, Jerry and Megan. Uh, I just had my 30th wedding anniversary. It was oh, a big deal. <laughs> Megan, it was a big deal. 30. You hit 30. It's 50th. 50. Yeah. It's 50. <laughs> Your son's 40, Gene. We can do the math. Yeah. yeah. You some beach. No. <laughs> okay. So, I, and I, and, yeah, and we did something. That? It was great. And we did something, but it was not worthy of uh, Miss Bonita, my wife. It was not, it was not something worthy of her and a 50th. And that's because I don't have much do re me. So I was wondering if I started a GoFundMe project to pay for a proper 50th, you guys would help me and maybe prime the pump with a GoFundMe. No. I'll contribute to Bonnie so she can get away. <laughs> no, that's what that, for, for, that's se- for legal yeah. counsel, yeah. yes, we yes. can contribute to I that. I have another idea. Yeah, well, yeah. Megan, and maybe we get in on this and we run it and maybe we make a little walking around money doing this. I think we should get Jerry Sarasota home, which is a lovely home oh, in yeah. Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. And I'll name the key. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> But uh, oh, man. I will, 
Why don't we turn that into an Airbnb? Oh, I think what? that is a very is good idea. Is that a good like idea? That. Yeah, I think that's great. Jerry that comes down legs. in his bath, what, bathrobe. Strangers come and stay over? Yeah, you can. They in an Airbnb, Megan, you sure. can even live there. Absolutely. Because no. it's just some rooms. <laughs> you can go stay in the garage. Jerry comes down, make Either his coffee in the, in the morning, and you he's got like he. It's the place is like the Biltmore. He's got like it's, forty bedrooms in there. Why don't you do that? You need to make some more cash. You're you're a little cash poor right now. You could do that. <laughs> Not in your lifetime. Really? You do. You don't have strangers in your home. Airbnb your home people do it all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, all the time. Well, so they don't have there. shows. Don't yeah. Have shows. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair point. They don't have paintings worth the most people's cars. <laughs> fair point. So the other day, uh, yeah. my son Mitch, forty-one, uh, ran in the Flying Pig Marathon, which is yes. one of the marathons around the country, twenty-six and a half miles, and it's a hard one, as we were saying before the show, because there's some hills in it and stuff. So to support my son, and because I thought this would be fun, and last year I did a little of this, I got on my bike. I have a, a bike, a, you know, like a bicycle, not a motorcycle, and I thought I'll ride the 26 miles, and I'll occasionally in neighborhood stop, pop a picture of him or something, yell at him, encouragement. Mm -hmm. And last year I went on actually even the day before when they do some other mini marathon -y type things, and I saw that the race officials are all on bikes. That's oh, how they? they roll. So they get a bunch of volunteers who wear a uni, which I realized was a, sort of one of those green iridescent riding jackets. A reflector vest, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yep. real visible. And uh, last year for, I, I didn't do 26 miles, I did a little piece of it, but I merged with them and I got out on the course because you can't be on the course. So you basically fraudulently, fraudulently I was rogue. I went rogue on the, yeah. on the, uh, on the marathon. Because you really weren't a, a... Well, here's how it turned out. How? On about mile four, yeah. I was stopped by some actual race officials yes. on bikes. And they said, who are you? Kind of said that. They said, are you... We're going to need you to go ahead and leave, sir. Go back to Starbucks. Yeah. They said, are you a volunteer race official? And, you know, it's funny. It's at that moment, do I bullshit or not? Because that's that moment. Because yeah. am I going to go with a lie or am I going to go with something Did you tell else? the truth or did you go Trump? Well, here's what I did. Did you go Trump? I planned ahead for this moment, so I made a media pass. <laughs> I'm holding it up, and I'll hold it up for Facebook Live, but it's this sort of fake-looking thing. Look at Megan. The picture's all weird. Oh it, it's God. not, you know, because they ran it yeah. off on a printer, and it's all squashed, you <laughs> yeah. know? So it's not in proportion. No, no it's you, not. You kind of but I made a Jerry Springer podcast media pass, and I hung this around my neck on a lanyard. And so when they came over and they said, so are you a race official? And they looked at me like they knew I wasn't. Yeah. They were waiting and for so me. And so you waved that in front of them. So I said, no, I'm media. I'm out here. I'm part of media. Well, fact is, by the way, media can't be on the course. That's clearly also in the true. rules. I read them. They put you... <laughs> Specifically pointed Specifically out. says, yeah. you can be in these three places in the 26 miles standing over there. And Jean said, some. let's find yeah. out. So, uh, so if your granddaughter, Josie, is listening to this podcast, this is a fine yeah, example. she shouldn't be listening. That she, I don't think she listened. <laughs> so they, so I said, I'm media, I, I'm cool. And they said, well, you're flying around this course because let's tell the truth, I'm on an e-bike. That's right, you've got the so motorized. It's a power assist, so no throttle, but you, when you pedal, it like really pedals. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, they, they couldn't catch me if they had tried. Uh, and so anyway, I said, no, I'm just media. And they, they said, well, but you can't be on the course. And I said, well, a lot of times I'm off off the course. 
which means when it's runners on one lane and cars on the other, I'm over going wrong way towards the cars. But you kind of cheat, you know, past the cones. It worked out. So I get, <laughs> they said, fine, see ya. So at about of 26 miles, at about mile 19, I stop. I'm riding in the course with the runners. I pull over to shoot a picture of my kid coming by in there. And I now felt emboldened because there are cops at all the intersections. Yeah. And I said, I stopped and the cops saw me coming towards them. I stopped, put the bike on the kickstand, got out my cell phone to shoot a picture. And they're talking about me. They're looking at me. <laughs> and a motorcycle cop had his bike parked, walked over to me, and he yelled to me, uh, Hey, Sir, uh, <laughs> yeah. may I speak to you? And I thought, oh, now this is going to be good. So he walked over and he got kind of close and he paused and he said, how do you like that e-bike? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding? <laughs> I said, dude, I love this great. bike. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went in, yeah. That's great. So I went into the Trek sale because it's the Trek yeah. Super, yeah. Super Commuter 8 S. I said, officer, you got to get the S because it'll go to 30. You know, it won't cut off till about 30. So we chatted for a while and he left and I got back on the bike, got right in the middle of the runners and went for the rest of the race. <laughs> I got this figured out. But you know what? These, these guys, these race officials changed the uni on me. So I show up in my green jacket. Oh, and now this year it's orange. At like 6.30 in the morning, I'm, I'm in Covington, Kentucky. They're going to cross the Licking River. Mm -hmm. You know, they come across the Central Bridge, whatever it is, and across the Licking. And I'm right there, and I look up, and all these, uh, there are a bunch of them. Of riders are out there, that, and they've got on, cool looking. I want one. A black jersey. Why don't you volunteer? I hear you. Red tram. <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> yeah. And then Weird. it's like, why'd you do that? And my son said to me, why don't you volunteer? And I said, because you can't hold Gene Galvin down. What they would do is they would give me, <laughs> Megan, they would give me like yeah. Mount Lookout it's neighborhoods. That's <laughs> they would tell me, you got you you to protect shit. Mount yeah. Lookout. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like... Gene can't be can't yeah. be held in. Yeah. I'm like justified. You would not have. You just got to let me run. You know. I hate you. You would have made a terrible police officer. <laughs> Horrible, because I'd be wanting to go somewhere. Here, so I was cool playing some music over, over in Price Hill. Let's go over there. There's cool stuff over there. Here's the question, though: Where was was the security? Because they didn't See, know you're coming out. All of a sudden, you're in the middle of the crowd. You're holding up what could be a phone and could not be a phone. It's yep. absolutely They true. don't know that. Boston Marathon was during the daytime. Yeah. You are a threat to our right. society. <laughs> well, we knew that. Gary, That's something tells a... <laughs> me that people look at me and don't see me as a threat to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, you know what? Is this guy on the here, here is the bike. deal. And, and uh, you know, I don't even care about statute of limitations. I'm just telling them exactly what I did. And I'm going to do it again next year. But uh, <laughs> here is the deal. If you act, this has all had been said so many times by so many people, if you act like you know what you're doing. First of all, I'm not carrying a backpack. They should tackle me if I'm doing that. I'm obviously not carrying anything because it's just a, me on a bike. But if, the, if you just look like you know what you're doing, I had cops giving me a thumbs up because they think you're a race official. Even though I didn't have the proper jacket on, you know, I got on something that looks kind of... Gene, 
This is just volunteer next year for crying yeah. out loud. You'll get the jacket. You can yeah. help them out. You're less of a threat well, to you society. Got, you got to do, you know, Maramont. I don't want to just do Maramont. I, I hit a blast riding the 26 miles. I will tell you this. I really appreciate what marathon runners do. When oh, you, it's If you travel the 26 yeah. miles while you're on racing. How about working out and running in it? Or that. <laughs> yeah. Participating in then the marathon. Then you can see the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, you know what? There's that would a be thought. a really fun little partner thing that you no. guys could do. <laughs> that would I've be so I've already brought cute. this up. Why don't we all run? I swear to God, why don't we all run a marathon? Oh, don't be okay, I don't do that. I swear I to God, let's do that. I have guys. a general rule in life. Never, never uh, <laughs> run if you can walk. Never walk if you can sit down. Never sit down if you can lie down. It's gotten yeah. you all these years, hasn't it, Jared? Yeah, that's <laughs> a... <laughs> <laughs> to the of a man yeah. that we see before us. Yeah, well, in other words, why waste whatever heartbeats you have? <laughs> running yeah. for no reason. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? God bless people that work out, but every one of my friends that really works out, yeah. they're walking around with a limp, a bad hip, a bad <laughs> knee. They're always hurting something. <laughs> it's actually true. It's true. Well, I mean, I don't know it's if it's statistically, if it's scientifically true, but I mean, I see what marathon runners do. I say to my son, find me a doctor who isn't also a marathon runner who thinks this is good for your body that you run through what they call the wall, and he hit it. The last five miles, Just your body, be- there. I saw it. I was with them. I was yeah. out there. I saw people dry heaving. I saw people... Uh, oh, walking pleasant. and stopping and sign me up. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> but it's. I think it should. I, I think it do. would be a really cute bonding thing for the two of you, though. Yeah. I mean, no, no, you are part of it too. No, 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 no. I, no, I am saying I let's do it. I'm yeah. saying let's do I'll it. Video it. You can walk, let's run it. Run the marathon. I next actually. Year. Well, we talked about we it. We talked about it all last year. I ran the mini heart marathon. That's right. You did. Cincinnati's first. So I know you can do it. Yeah, not on purpose. No, it really wasn't. I know. <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll make this less than a minute because some people have heard it, but many probably haven't, is <laughs> I was mayor, so it was my job. It was the very first Cincinnati Heart Mini Marathon in 1978. And my job on that Saturday morning was to come to Fountain Square, give a short little talk, wish everyone luck, and shoot the gun to start <laughs> the race. Well, the lesson is don't ever be standing in front of 3,000 people <laughs> shooting a gun if you don't want to protect... Because they all started running towards me. I should have stood to the side. So when you see 3,000 people suddenly coming at you, your natural instinct is to turn around and start going yeah. with them so I wouldn't get trampled. And then, because I'm a young guy back then, and so I'm thinking, well, you know, but I was carrying the gun. And didn't you so say you were in dress a, shoes? So there was a police officer... Lord, yeah, I was in a suit... A laced shoes. I'd never run a block in my life. And, <laughs> but I gave the gun off to one of the police officers standing along. And I'll say, well, I'll see how much I can do this. And then at that age, the kind of the macho takes over. You don't want to quit. And then I realized, because when it's the mini heart marathon, it was only nine and a half. I think it was about 13, 13 miles. 13 whatever one, it was. Yeah, like yeah 26 miles. Yeah, 10 it was 13 miles. miles. So, but the way they had it is you, you went out in one direction and then... Came back in the other half. So the fir- the more you ran, the more you'd have to come back then. And then I realized that they were having, you know, the cameras, the news stations <laughs> knew that the mayor was suddenly running. They wanted to catch this. Unprepared. 
untrained. Oh my, and now, and this is God's truth, my feet were bleeding. I mean, they're, I mean, gushing blood. I believe Everything it. hurt. And I knew I wasn't doing well because near the end, <laughs> all along the way, the cops kept asking, is there anyone else? <laughs> Behind you. And I came in dead last of anyone who finished. There were a lot of people who didn't finish. Sure. And come in, because when you started coming down, and I think it was Walnut Street, for those who know Cincinnati, you're coming down towards Fountain Square. This is the end. This is where you get the big crowd, TV cameras. You got to make it. Everything is sure. You can't quit now. You, 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 you just got to do it. And I, I, I was limping for about six, six seven weeks. It was really weeks? Pretty cool. It was really stupid. I believe that. Yeah, that's so not So I'll it. never run again. Except for mayor. And so I am announcing today <laughs> the segue ability. Well, I, I wish that and I propose that we do it. I I'm I'm not I'm not done trying to make that happen. If that you run, run, you will be done. <laughs> yeah. Uh Gene, you're seventy eight what? Uh eighty six. I'm fifty nine years old, Jerry. So <laughs> I mean, don't make me older than I am. 59 is old enough. Yeah. 59 years old. With your 30th wedding anniversary. <laughs> With your 30th wedding anniversary. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me think here. Yeah. This, this isn't going to work. And the, and the I'm 64. I'm, I'm looking forward to Social Security. If I can get enough quarters in. That's why I'm here tonight, trying to get them in. And we're headed down soon, next week or so, to uh, a prison in Kentucky. That's right. uh, no joke. Uh, and we're going to, Jerry is going, I'm going to drive him down, but Jerry's going to speak to the prisoners about some pretty serious stuff. I, you know, they've given me some bullet points they'd like you to speak to, and you'll be great at it. And, uh, and maybe we'll be able to chat about that experience in a future sure. podcast. It should be kind of interesting. Um, we're assuming they let us out. Uh, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> counting on it. Getting into prison isn't that tough. Walking yeah, out. Getting out is a little harder. Uh, so th this era that we've been through in the last year plus has had a lot of this Donald Trump presidency has had a lot of legal stuff that's gone on. It's a, it's a drumbeat. Each week there's a new thing. Uh, and w one wonders, will that have a lasting effect on the American psyche or on worse yet, the American culture? What's your take on that? Well, you know, right now, with if, if you're addicted to watching the news every night, every night there's something else. It's, it's, it's depressing. And you hear a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, are we going through the worst time? This is the worst ever, et cetera. And the truth is, in American history, every horrible time, and this isn't the most horrible of times, let's be honest, but, it, but in the bad times, we, we get through it. Not to say there's no damage, but we get through it, and then... Another event comes along. I mean, we got through the Depression, and then we got through the Second World War, and we got through the Korean War, and the, then the McCarthy era, and then uh, the urban riots and Vietnam and Iran-Contra, the Clinton impeachment. Then I remember the election of 2000 when it went to the Supreme Court, and everyone says that's the end, you know, with the Supreme Court decision. The guy who got the most votes wasn't president. What are we going to do about that? Then, of course, 9-11 then the economy collapsing in 2008, the mass shootings. I mean, it seems like whenever we seemed overwhelmed, America kind of gets through it, not to say there aren't casualties along the way, 
but then we bounce back and the world, go, world goes on. And I think deep down we all expect the world still to go on. As bad as the news might be from day to day, parents are still saving money so their kid can go or, or grandkid can go to college 10, 15, 20 years from now. So it's not like we think the world is really going to end. So that's kind of where that is. Will we get through it? But there is, I would argue, one lasting impact of Trumpism that will last beyond his presidency, the almost permanent damage he is doing to our democracy and to our country. And I would say it has nothing to do with particular treaties, particular legislation, dropping out of things we shouldn't be dropping out of. I think it has to do with his relentless attack by him, by the right wing, on science, facts, and truth. And that relentless attack on those three items is the greatest threat to democracy in American history. I don't overstate it. Let me put it like this. The whole purpose of America from its very beginning was to create a country or a place where people could avoid tyrannical um, governance, where they could avoid a monarchy. We ran away from the king or a dictator or some authoritarian rule. That was the whole concept. This was going to be an experiment. Could people self-govern? Could we not have a dictator, which was, you know, we had benign dictators in history, but we always had dictators. This was going to be something new. And that's the purpose of America. And to kind of institutionalize that, our forefathers created a constitution. And the whole constitution is designed so that no entity or person within the government would have absolute rule. We wanted to make sure we were never going to have a king or a monarch or, I mean, or some dictator, a despot. And so we created, a, or they created a government where we had separation of powers. You would have the executive, the president, the legislature, the Congress, and the Senate, and the judicial, the courts. And you'd have these three separate entities, each being able to check the other one so no one entity could get too powerful. So the president could be checked by Congress or also by the Supreme Court if he does something that the court rules unconstitutional. The Congress could be checked because the president can veto something. And so the, the president doesn't have absolute power. The Congress can override the veto with two-thirds of a vote. And the courts could be controlled to the extent that the chief executive chooses members of the Supreme Court and the Senate has to confirm them. So each entity within the government was going to have a check on it. And most significantly... Congress had the sense to pass the Bill of Rights because every one of the first 10 amendments was put in there to protect the people from the government. Every one of those Bill of Rights, even the one sometimes we speak against the Second Amendment, the idea was to form a militia so people could be able to protect themselves from a tyrannical government. 
the right uh, against, uh, to protect yourself against self-incrimination. The government couldn't force you to testify yourself. The government's not allowed to come into your home, the search and seizure, and, and take items from you or your, your personal property and stuff like that without due process of law. Everything was put in there. But the very first amendment to the Constitution, uh, to the Bill of Rights, the very first was freedom of the press. Why? Because no matter what kind of uh, constitution, what kind of governmental uh, entity you created on paper, it would only be as good as the people that served in it. So on paper, you had the president checking the Congress, Congress checking the courts, back and forth. But if the people aren't good, or if the people aren't being responsible or paying homage to the uh, Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, what is left to protect the people, or protect the country from a tyrannical government? That's what democracy is. Only the people can. So in the end, the people can vote out all these uh, governmental entities, consent of the government. And this is where freedom of the press is everything. The vote that people have in a democracy is worthless if they don't have information, if they don't have something that approaches the truth, if they don't have facts. So the press, you have to keep it free. So if there is corruption in the government, the press can point it out. And then the people can say, aha, they've uncovered this. You're corrupt. You're being voted out of office. We're going to vote against you in the next election. We're going to impeach you, whatever. The people have the ultimate power, but that power is based on facts, on having information, on having truth. And if anything is done to do away with that, to do away with the concept of truth, facts, and science, then vote is worthless because people have no idea what they're voting on. That is the damage of Donald Trump right now. Because through this whole concept of fake news, it is now possible, and that's not going to end right away when Trump's out of office, whenever that happens. Because now, and we're already seeing it, larger and larger portions of the American public are starting to believe that things are fake news. Social media is starting to say that's fake, it's not true. Or worse, social media and Russia and uh, people that don't have our best interests at stake are starting to make up stories. So people don't now know what truth is. Trump has no compunction against lying, just saying something which is obviously not true. But he simply says, oh, that film you saw, it's fake. The story they put out, it's not true. We are killing truth. We are killing facts. We are killing science. And what will happen after Trump leaves is now people that don't like the people in office or don't like what's happening can always say, well, did you see the news last night? No, well, that's not true. They're just making it up. Do you see how dangerous that is? Ask yourself why every single dictator that ever lived never permitted freedom of the press. Because if you don't give people honest information, 
They have no power. You can't, they can't find out something that you're doing wrong. The leader with a force of arms can say anything he wants and nothing can throw him or her out of office. That is the threat to democracy. It is more significant than pulling out of a treaty. It is more, cons- uh, it is more dangerous to American society than whatever Trump is doing with women, etc. All these issues, not excusing any of it, not saying any of it isn't serious, but what threatens American democracy that can't soon be fixed because the trust is going to have to be re- regained is the fact that this endless assault by right-wing media, by the Russians, by people on social media organizations that have no interest in the truth, that just put things out there to win their opinion, the assault on truth, facts, and science is the greatest threat to American democracy in our history. Okay, as Gene said at the top of the show, we have with us this evening Short and Company. Let's give them a round of applause. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. And this is your first time on our show, correct? Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, introduce yourselves, please. I'm Jeremy Short. I'm from Bethel County. I play guitar and I sing and write the music. And this is my, my friend John Clay on the drums right here. going to be singing a little bit as well. Nice. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. That's right. <laughs> this is my other good friend, Corey Heim, on the bass guitar. Hey, Corey. Holding the low end down. And we are collectively short and company. Excellent. First song that I have listed here for you is If the Spirit Moves You. So we will uh, take a listen to this and have a chat when you're done. All right. For those of you who can't see us because you're just listening to the podcast, Jeremy is bald. And not sh- <laughs> Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Wow. He's such a punk, isn't he? <laughs> I was just like that in school. And for those of you who can't see, Jerry is old. So. <laughs> there you go, Megan. My life's complete now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can go home happy. Yeah. got something to say Baby, if the spirit moves you Come and dance my way The way the stage lights hit you The way you toss your head Get some boys all going No matter what you wear There's something about you Straight to my soul Makes heaven you hungry My only girl Do-do-do-do-do-do 
get your way So baby, if the spirit moves you Come and dance my way Loving you, honey Is a forever endeavor I was Man. very surprised to hear that sound that came out of that. <laughs> Not was I, what I was expecting to see. See, yeah. if, for, for the folks at home, we've got a bald head, bald-headed man with a red handle, red handlebar mustache going on. We got gentlemen on the drums, lots of tattoos, hat, beard. Like, it's not a, not what I expected to hear at all. <laughs> but really cool. So, um, how long have you guys been playing together? Oh, uh, we've been playing together this particular incarnation for I don't know, a month, a month. yeah, about a month. <laughs> Uh, you ought to take a break. <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So how did, yeah, yeah, you guys are from Kentucky. Gene said you are all local. That's right, yeah. Fantastic. Kinda all over the map, yeah. So what brought you to this type of music, this jazz, oh, funky? This, this, what I, I grew up loving music and loving all kinds of music, and I gravitated towards the blues, R&B, jazzy like side Stevie of things. Like Stevie Wonder type of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Ray very, Charles. very cool. Yeah. Excellent. So a month, huh? <laughs> well, I I've hope had, you guys do okay together. I've had together. versions of the band for about, about two years now. Okay, yeah. very yeah. cool. Very, very cool. Well, the next song we have this evening is Ain't That Working." That's right. All right, let's yep. hear it. It's available on a CD we have for sale here. And uh, if you're out there in podcast land on the interwebs, uh, you can find it at shortencompanymusic.com. Very cool. <laughs> Chicken Shack Walk up Ain't that a fact, Jack I support myself Lord, I praise my rent
dance to the ball Good what you got till it's gone Ain't that working Yeah Oh, I listen to the boss man Telling me I ought to pick up the slack Well, you must not be looking At the same clock I'm looking at Tell us again, where can we find your music? Uh, you can go to short and company Okay. On the internet. Uh, we find us on Facebook. You can go to we're on the Instagram, I believe. On the Instagram. The, the Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, and are you playing locally? Are we can we look for any shows anytime uh, soon? We're gonna be at Southgate soon. Whoop. Right? Nice. Very nice. Sometime soon. Sometime Not sure soon. when. Uh, <laughs> we will look out for you guys. That was fantastic. That was very, very cool. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, all right, and well. Hope you enjoyed that month, because now you're going to sing with Jerry Springer. And, um, <laughs> and this, this is how it all ends. Yeah. This was your peak right yeah. here, gentlemen. You this were was so the peak. close to making it, and then boom. 
it just all disintegrates. <laughs> all right. Are we doing Down by the Riverside now? I think so. It's the only song down? we know. All right. Yeah. Ten four. <laughs> I'm gonna let down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna let down my heavy load Down by the riverside And study for the war no more I ain't gonna study the war no more I ain't gonna study the war no more I ain't gonna study the war no